Okay, we have a, a very special Hammer Factor hot seat for you this week. We have Brittany Peterson coming on the show. Um, Brittany is an avid outdoor enthusiast and mountain lover. She runs for Nike Trail, where she has specialized in sky running and competed in the Sky Running World Series in 2018, finishing third overall. She enjoys adventures deep into the Idaho backcountry with her three mountain running pups. Well, welcome to the show, Brittany. Um, before we dig too deep into this, can you share something with our audience, maybe a little tidbit or a fact about you that most people don't know? Um, most people probably don't know. I guess when I was back in college, I had a lot of calf tightness. Um, and I, it turns out years and years later, we found out I had exercise induced compartment syndrome, which I needed to surgically repair, which is basically the, the muscle belly just didn't have room in that fascial sheath to expand. And so my calves would just lock up which normally when you say or when you say compartment syndrome to someone that's medical you know it's a really dangerous condition but mine was exercise induced <laughs> exercise induced very interesting and so what did they do did they just kind of how did they fix that i have so there's four compartments so i have like razor vertical scars on my on both of my calves um, cuz they released both of the compartments on both legs <laughs> oh wow Okay, well, there yeah. you go. Um, <laughs> moving on, what kind of music you listen to these days? I know as a trail, as an ultra runner, you spend a good bit of time out in the woods, sometimes by yourself. What's at the top of your playlist? So I, I run with my dogs a lot, so I don't run with music when I'm out on the trails. But when I'm doing harder workouts, like on the treadmill or on the track or something like that, I'm listening to whatever will pump me up. So I'm liking Bon Jovi, uh, Kesha. <laughs> Those are kind of the ones that stand out, like Woman for Kesha and uh, Bon Jovi, It's My Life. So I have a good variety. <laughs> Love it. Well, you know, before you got into running, before you got your ticket to Western States, which we'll get into in a little bit, let's go way back. Um, where, where are you from and, and what were your interests when you were, when you were just a young Brittany? Um, originally from Minnesota. So when I was pretty young, I moved up to Northern Minnesota. And so I grew up in the sticks, which was super lucky where we had a state park just right outside my high school. So grew up playing in the woods. And then as I transitioned into a runner, I mean, grew up playing on trails and then off trail and just creeks, rivers. I mean, so really just adventurous exploring. I remember, you know, playing in the woods with my brother when we were growing up, um, you know, with early junior high running, trying to connect two different bike paths that cross through marsh and like just off trail terrain to like cut through and get to town. And so really just exploring as a little kid, even and then you jumped into running. Were you a good runner right off the bat? Is this something you developed? Where did that passion come from? You know, I was okay. I mean, we, I, I kind of look back at high school and college where I was kind of plagued with injury. I mean, I just don't think my body was really ever designed to do cross country or do track where I had to meet every weekend, you know, just intense training maybe the shorter distance, things like that, where I was okay, but I, I was hurt 
a decent amount and then found out that I had compartment syndrome like junior year of college. So when I had that fixed, I was like, oh, this is what normal calf tightness is supposed to feel like versus what I had been running through. Um, so really, I was okay. Like I was second girl on our team in high school. I, we had the state champion on my cross country team, which was awesome. So that helped our team go a couple times in cross country. Um, and then in college, we were, I went to a D3 school. So we did okay, went, qualified for regionals, things like that. But really just, it was kind of a disappointment year after year because I, I would build up a good base over the summer and then I would peak too early and I just, I just, or get injured. So it was an awesome experience. And I think the cool thing about it was I was always on a team that just fostered the love and the team aspect of running. And so I think that really helped me grow figuring out what my style of, you know, obviously longer races, a different style of training, and then just really being mindful of how can I prevent injuries. Um, but it was able to kind of set that foundation and then really just develop this intrinsic love for running. Throughout that process, and, and maybe it happened after you were out of college, were, were there any mentors or anyone who – and it could have been your team, um, but were there were there any people who really um, inspired you or helped you along on this path? Um, kind of progressed as I transitioned beyond college. I mean, still definitely had awesome coaches in high school and college, and I would say my high school coach especially. I mean, he was all about keeping it super fun you know, where we had this thing called the box of stuff, you know, where we would find things on the side of the road or off in the woods or whatever and collect stuff all year long or all season long. And then at the end of the season, we would have this big box of stuff party, which was kind of the like end of season awards and stuff like that. But then he would come up with this fun story and then award us like this random stuff that we had picked up. So like I have a I have a state park sign. <laughs> I have a, like a section of a gym mat. I have a, what was the other one? A smoking cessation uh, cassette tape, just in case I need that. <laughs> so, I mean, I think that really kind of developed who I was. And then, and then that definitely transpired as I had different coaches where post-collegiately had a friend that became a coach when I was thinking more road stuff where he really – pushed me in a way of like helping see like, wow, if I train more consistently, I wonder what I could do. And so then he helped me with that. And then it's like, wow, look at how I keep shaving off time off my PR. And then that, that eventually transferred over to trails with my current coach now. So I think always like the coaches, I've just been super lucky with awesome coaches throughout my whole running career. So let me ask, how important is a coach in your opinion? Uh, you know, I, there was a section of time I was kind of burnt out and I was between coaches. I wasn't training. I wasn't, I didn't have a coach and I really struggled at the time, like getting back into wanting to have a coach because, you know, at the time I was like, well, I know what to do. I've had so many coaches. I, I kind of had figured out what works for my body, but really I'm the kind of person that does really well with a coach you know, even though, yes, I, I'll challenge my coach or, you know, like, why are we doing this? Or I'm feeling this or whatever. Um, 
But I think just the mental aspect of it, one, my coach is so much more creative and will push me so much harder than maybe I would do myself. Um, but I also think the, the outside support, like I can get kind of stuck in my head sometimes where having that objective outside person to really encourage me and maybe a low point or help me see a race in a different perspective or uh, yeah, I just think that's really, really helpful for a lot of people and myself being one of them. That's definitely a trend that we have that I've seen through these interviews is having the coach. Number one, you have accountability, you know, so it's, you, right, ha yeah. you know, you have to explain why you didn't get a workout in or why you, you know, you did something. So that's a big step, but yeah, that like drawing you out of low points. I think that it's becoming a trend here on this show that if you really want to reach the next level, a coach or some kind of mentor is super important. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You were in cross country. You, you did the stint in college of running and then you leave that world and eventually make a transition into ultras. And I believe the ultra thing happened, correct me if I'm wrong, before sky running. And I want to touch on both of those, but how did that transition happen? Um, I, so post-collegiately, well, first of all, I moved from Minnesota to Idaho. So that's, I'm in Idaho now. Idaho. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and at the time, I mean, I was running a bunch on the trails, but I was finding success in the marathon. So I was still doing a lot of road running. Um, and that, I think that was right before ultras really started gaining popularity. So I know like in Boise, cause I was in Boise at the time, there was a whole series that had really just gotten developed right after, you know, right in that time when I was still dabbling more in the marathon. And so my, I had a group of friends and we're all like, let's do this foothills frenzy 50 K. And so we signed up for that. And I mean the 50 K like not that much further than the marathon where it was, it was cool to see the blend of speed from the roads transition to the mountainous climbs of the trails. And then so I kind of, once I did that, then I, I did more of the series in Idaho. Um, not necessarily intentionally, but it was just all of these great races popped up in my backyard. And then I, I had influential friends that pushed me into like the 100 miler. Um, so at that point, I was not being coached. So definitely my, my first 100 miler, my only 100 miler, where I still joke that I'm still recovering from it because... I was way overtrained. I had never done the distance. I mean, so it kind of turned into a lot all at once and then um, poor training, but figuring out a lot about myself at that time. So I think once I did the 100 miler, I took a bunch of time off, but then I really segued into, I, you know, I pretty much haven't gone back to roads, though I, I mean, I still would like to as far as some personal goals on the marathon distance, but um, I think that series that was in like the 2011 to 2013 fate or year years, <laughs> um, after that, I was pretty much sold on the trails and then had a good coach that was seeing my potential in the mountainous terrain because we could use the speed that I had on the roads and then tie that into the strength I had with climbing and then start pushing, from that 50 K to 50 mile. And so that's when we really, after Leadville 
and the couple of years after that. So coming up into like 2016 is when I had my current coach who I have now. Um, and he started pushing me into let's go see what we can do as far as finding greater competition and just see where, where I stand because I was doing well in the Idaho races. So that kind of just kept me there and, and I haven't looked back really. And then sky running, you know, right. For our audience that doesn't know, I mean, I've never been to a sky running event, but what is sky running? And I mean, what kind of distances are you dealing with times? What can you speak to that about? What we're looking at is it can be a variety of distances, but generally it's in that 50 to 60 K. So it's not super long, um, but it is over 12,000 feet of vertical gain over that distance. And then generally, you know, sky running is off trail or it's certainly not a great trail. So, I mean, a lot of the sky running events, I'm going flag to flag because I'm literally not on a trail. Um, and then it might be, there's a whole variety of what technical aspects of it. Cause that's what it's known for is this technical off trail with brutal amounts of climbing and then steep descents that people are just flying down. Um, so, and then time, I mean, so we can imagine a 50 K with that amount of time. Like when I transitioned into my hundred K in January this year, you know, I was intimidated by the distance, but I had already had so much time on feet because like I did, you know, 50 Ks in probably like seven or eight hours because, you know, it's just brutal. Um, yeah. So did I answer all of those questions? No, that was, that was good. Do you think, (laughs) do you think some of your uh, experience as a young girl tromping through the woods in Minnesota helped you with that discipline? Absolutely. I just kind of caught that connection. Um, very cool. I'd like to give it a go with a, what, what, what would you recommend if I wanted to go out and try a sky running event? What, what should I choose? What should I look for? So the U S has really picked up in sky running, but it's still definitely behind the European style sky running where I would say the closest one here in the U S would be the rut in Montana. It's a super fun race. You Summit Lone Peak, which I forget what the elevation is, but it is a gnarly, brutal climb with just a ton of boulders and then a steep descent off of it. So, like, the beginning is less technical, so there's definitely faster runnable sections, but then you get some pretty cool off-trail climbs, and then it's just a stunning race. But I feel like Europe, I mean, the race I think back to is in Scotland at the Glencoe Skyline race. Um where there's a, it's called the curved ridge. I mean, it's, you're, you're bouldering essentially. I mean, wow. there's sections where you need a resume, a climbing resume to be able to get into that race oh, cool. because it's, I mean, one mistake and you're, you're falling pretty far and you're not going to have a great outcome. Very cool. I mean, yeah. not cool. You're going to so, fall, but very cool to right. have like an event where you have to have a climbing background. Absolutely. I mean, and that's where like, the adventuring and I have a stint of climbing where it just blends those two worlds of like mountaineering, but not quite the intense, like snow cap peaks and stuff. But like you're, you're combining the climbing aspect with the adventurous with, you know, running aspects where a lot of it, I mean, it's just, you're hiking, you're summiting, you're, you're scrambling, you're getting to this summit, you're scrambling down this summit, all of that stuff. So 
Yeah. I think that like some of the European style sky races really truly get those aspects, which is super fun. So you correct me if I'm wrong here. You took third in the world in the sky running world championships. Is that right? Yes. What is... Yes. And it was an extra divi- division. So there are several different divisions. I was third in the extra division. Extra division. Okay. And then who did you share the podium with in that race? Um, so it was a series of races that they collected the points. Um, and then at the end of the season, that's how we scored. Oh, okay. Um, I got it. Yeah. So it actually, it was pretty exciting where it came down to the last race of the Skyrunning World Series to determine third place or fourth place. So there's a gal from Russia, Katerina, that she had won the race before the last race. And so she bumped me down into fourth. And then it came down. We were both in that race, which was a week later. So she had to do back-to-back races. Um, and I was able to win that race, which then got me enough points um, to get back into third place. Do I hear your running pups in the background arguing with each other? Yeah. She, <laughs> yes. I think you see them right there. I was like, oh, they'll be barking. But now here they're playing. <laughs> so. Now we love that here on the Hammer Factor. <laughs> So you've had these high moments. Obviously, winning that race was a great moment. Um, before I get into our next series of questions and we move on, you made this transition from the 26 into the Ultra. You talked about having this epic race at the Leadville or your first 100-miler. Something that kind of resonates with talking to a lot of people who get into that Ultra distance is the... Uh, emotional swings of running for that long and until you've done that actually experimented i mean you know within the matter of three miles you can go from laughing hysterically to crying to laughing hysterical all again um how has that experience have you ever experienced that and what's your takeaway from that um I maybe, I don't have like the extreme highs and lows necessarily as far as laughing hysterically. It like Leadville was such an interesting experience because I was just toast by the end, like overuse injury, just constant sharp knee pain. Um, so that one was really just high and just super awesome. When I picked up my pacer at mile 50, my pacer was laughing And that brightened my mood a little bit, but I was still just kind of on this like steep slope of feeling really bad. (laughs) Um, And so that's where it was just kind of this steady transition into feeling fairly miserable. However, I paced a friend at Wasatch, I think like within the year after I did Leadville and she was just smiles and happy. You know, she won Wasatch that year and she was just smiles and happiness the whole way where it really opened up my insight into like, I want to execute a race like that Mm. because clearly Leadville was just, you know, I was a different runner at the time and it was a survive Leadville um, where I was so inspired by my friend where she just, you know, like she executed perfectly and we actually share the same coach. So I feel confident that my next hundred mile experience, hopefully, you know, I'll have that like, smiling and happiness and just really actually enjoying that distance maybe throughout the whole race. That would be awesome. Um, in, in like Bandera and my hundred K. So that's probably the closest thing I've had to the hundred miles since. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I guess I'm not the whole like maybe like del- you get to that delusional state as you run so long. But Bandera was only nine and a half hours versus Leadville. I was out there for 28 hours. <laughs> Throughout your career, what do you think the lowest moment? What what looking back, what's the what's the time that that you felt at the lowest? Uh, yeah, so 2016 stands out because I was on like a nine month hiatus um, because of an injury. So I had a lot going on personally. And so that coupled with still trying to train really intense just didn't work out. And so really my body just ended up rebelling. And the thing that's obviously going to give out before anything else is going to be high level performance. So I needed running as a coping mechanism and then running was failing me. And so I pretty, I mean, I hit rock bottom or just, I stopped running which then allowed my body to pretty much freeze up because I have some kind of chronic tendonitis type stuff where I always joke that like I need oil. So like running keeps my body oiled and keeps me going. And so then here I stopped running because of this burnout and then that hamstring thing really flared up. So that just prolonged by the time I had like rested enough and kind of overcome some other things and was ready to run. Now my body physically wasn't ready. So that just prolonged everything. I was in a pretty low state of like getting hopeless that I would ever run and feel good again. Sorry, I'm going to stop the dogs. (laughs) Um, They're getting kicked out. Um, But I would, yeah. So I was at that point, um, you know, I didn't know what was wrong with the hamstring. And so I was to a point, you know, and I was getting PT or I was getting massage twice a week and like just all sort like investing a lot of money trying to help and get back, but everything, it just wasn't working. And so I really got to a point where I was like, I just want to run and have fun because running wasn't fun at that time. Cause it just didn't feel good. And I, I kind of described it as like, I felt like I was running like a twisted pretzel because my motor planning was all off because I had major strength imbalances, um, for whatever reason. So that, yeah, so that was that low point of, you know, just wanting, you know, forget about being an elite runner. Cause I, at that point, like 2016 was my goal of like, I was going to do the U S sky running series, which had greater competition, you know, trying to kind of break out and, and beyond Idaho and just see what I could do on the national level. And that didn't happen because I was supposed to do Broken Arrow that year. It was the first year of Broken Arrow. I got there. That was like the first day of like the explosion of my body giving out. And so I decided the night before not to do the race, um, which then led to that whole nine-month period of being off. Um, Yeah, so it was just – it was a low point. But I would say that's where my support system was huge, and I needed that. And then I really, I found a fantastic PT in Salt Lake because here I'm in Eastern Idaho now. So Salt Lake is the biggest or the closest big city, but they actually had a running clinic and they had all of this great equipment where I was finally able to dial in exactly what was wrong and start correcting that. And then that helped me come back. But yeah, that was, that was a pretty low point. Well, obviously you've bounced back. I mean... You just won the Bandera. You've got your golden ticket for the Western States. Um, you're running really well right now. Would your takeaway be find some outside help if you're in that situation? What would your advice be to some runner who found their, themselves in that kind of situation? 
So yeah, interesting. So I'm an occupational therapist and I in the in I'm in Pocatello, Idaho, and there's a couple of us elite runners in this area. So Luke Nelson being one of them, uh, runs for Patagonia. He he's actually a PA, works at a spine clinic, and had a gal that came to him where he texted me and he's like, I have a patient that sounds really similar to someone I know, you know, talking about me and my hamstring and all of that. And he's like, can I refer her to you? And so it was really cool because she came to me, you know, then this is again, a very less traditional form of occupational therapy, but it really came down to pelvic positioning and just core strength and postural stability. And so this gal came to me and I was able to kind of help her, but she was in that same place you know, where I was, where it's like the light of at the end of the tunnel was like going away because just all hope was being lost because I've been injured for so long and I've tried all these things and I've been doing all the right things and nothing's helping. And it was just really, really inspiring to be on the other side of it of like, I know, like I've been there and I felt that exact same thing and this can get better and here's some steps to to do that. And she, she actually made some good progress um, and got back to running better, but she had other chaos going on in her life. But, but I think, yeah, that was the huge thing for me. Like I've referred so many people to my PT in Salt Lake because I 100% believe that one, she's like one of the smartest, like runner PT, like knowing all of the applications. And then they have so many pieces of equipment that just give her the tools to really be able to in depth, like know what's going on with my gait and with my strength and symmetries and things like that. So that, that made a huge difference. And I, I really like, even I was just talking to another gal that's coached by my boyfriend where she's kind of in the same place of like getting frustrated where she feels like she's stagnant with her running. She's had a couple things like come up, you know, and, and she's working on things, but she doesn't, you know, just like, again, that light at the end of the tunnel is just kind of getting dim you know, and then that's where I said, like, really this, if you feel like you don't have a handle on what's going on with your body or what, you know, why these injuries keep creeping up or you're just not running to your fullest potential, I really think going in and getting an in-depth look from a true expert is really helpful. I love that. I love that. Now flipping the coin, what's the, what's the high point so far of your career? What stands out as, as that best memory? That's tricky. 2018 was an interesting year of just a lot of growth for me because I put a lot of pressure on myself and just figuring, you know, first going to the international level, competing um, intensely with a lot of people, uh, you know, I would say like the wins obviously are high moments, but it was also, it was really interesting because it really just, it helped me show like it doesn't, it didn't matter, you know, so it really helped me kind of learn that I don't need to put all my eggs in, you know, the winning basket and things like that. So I think coming out with that is really the high moment. I mean, obviously Bandera was a huge high moment where, you know, I've been eyeing Western States. I've been kind of waiting for my return to the hundred mile distance. Um, but I think, yeah, I mean, so Bandera is probably the easy answer of like, that was a high moment. But I think back to like sky running in last year, the high moment, I mean, the races were super awesome. And, you know, I podiumed a few times and I won one of the sky races, which was super awesome. But the moments that really stand out to me 
was just sky running because it's a lot of the same runners at each of these races, like our community really developed. And so when we were in like one of like the, the moment I look back and smile actually had nothing to do with the race, but was after the race in Scotland. And there's a whole group of us, like so many, you know, whether you're a Solomon athlete, Compress Sport, Scott, Nike, whatever. Um, we were all sitting at this table. Ian Corliss was there. Killian came by. You know, we're sitting there and we're playing Never Have I Ever <laughs> and just like having a great time. You know, where I think that community that really developed, like that truly was the highlight of my season, you know, but if we look at results and things like that, I think getting a golden ticket was super awesome and obviously a big goal of mine, you know, but throughout this whole year, I've kind of learned that like, those are kind of secondary to the experiences that you get and then the people that you meet along the way and that you get to share those experiences with. Oh, that is some value bombs right there. <clears throat> you know, just mm -hmm. to reiterate, the wins are great. You know, the, the achieving your, your goals are great, but building that community and those lasting relationships sometimes come out as the most important. That's really good. You touched a little bit on, uh, on you have a little bit of a climbing background. I've noticed that a lot of the athletes that I've had the opportunity to interview here have some sort of multi-sport background. Do you have that? And where does that lead into, you know, your just outlook at attacking a trail run? Yeah, I, you know, so I've been an injured runner. And when I was an injured runner in college, I went to climbing. And so, I mean, my senior year of college, which was where I had, I had just, I had a stress reaction in my hip. So I was back on crutches. That was right after I'd gotten my compartment syndrome corrected. Um, so I ended up doing like several climbing trips during school and then just after school and then moved to Boise, Idaho right after that. And then there's tons of climbing in town. So I got really connected in the climbing there. So really I've just always used that, um, kind of as cross training, but it had more been my outlet of like what other physical outdoor thing can I do? And then again, you know, there's a super cool community and it brought me to different places throughout the U S like climbing in different areas, which is super fun. Um, so I think that's just, you know, I think a lot of trail runners were just those outdoor enthusiasts or maybe the adrenaline junkies, um, where it just kind of crosses into some of these other sports where, you know, like I use mountain biking as cross training, you know, so very similar to like the adrenaline seeking, like being on the trails. So running, biking, climbing, like all of those things just really kind of, um, really what's the word I'm looking for they complement each other. <laughs> no, I agree with that a hundred percent, you know, and it's, it's great to continue to stimulate your brain, make those neurons, everything continue to click, but not have that repetitive beating of the same activity. And right. I've, yep. I've just noticed that there are so many athletes who check out of their specialty for a period of time and just jump into these other things. And they just come back without having missed a beat, you know? So, yep. Mm -hmm. Um, Always super interested to see what other people are up to. Switching gears, you are – go ahead and mention some of your sponsors. And then I want to get into if you're an aspiring runner, if you're an aspiring athlete of any discipline, sponsorship can be really key to helping with the financial burden, 
the ability to get more time on the trail to achieve your goals. How do you approach sponsorship and, and what's worked for you in that regard? Um, so I run for Nike Trail and other sponsors that I have. I don't have a nutrition sponsor at this point, um, but I'm sponsored by Runners High Herbals out of California, and they've been super helpful in keeping me healthy. Um, so those are my two main sponsors. Oh, I'm, I'm kind of dabbling with Naked Brand right now also because they have – I used them last year with trekking poles as far as the band that can hold the poles. Um, so they're a partial sponsor at this point. So approaching sponsorship, I mean, so I had – after my injury, I came back, I ran Speedgoat, the rut, and then North Face. Um, and so I was third at Speedgoat, second at the rut, and then fifth at North Face. So setting myself up basically to try to get that greater attention nationally, knowing that I was hoping to pursue a sponsor because I had aspirations of doing the World Skyrunning Series knowing that financially that would be a huge burden to be able to do that on my own. Um, but then also just knowing the perks of like the team you get with a sponsor. So, so my boyfriend is Cody Lind who runs on Scott running team. And so I had seen through his experience cause he's been with them for like four or five years now. And just the team that they have was really inspiring because one, their manager is super great as far as just promoting them promoting the sport, really just sharing his true passion that you can really see. Um, and then just the camaraderie and everything of being on that team. And then the support that he had was super awesome. So after, so, I mean, I kind of chose those races that would help me maybe come into where I'm competing against other people who are sponsored or people that are known. And then I'm, I'm finding races that are, are, they have more attention. People are looking at them. People are following them. Um, which I was super lucky because, well, Nike at the time, I mean, Casey had just transitioned out of Nike and, and so Nike approached me. So I was just really lucky because I think sponsorship is such a hard thing right now where there's so many more people that are in the sport, you know, so sponsorships are getting tricky as far as where's the money for it and things like that. And there's a lot of people already sponsored where I think I just found, you know, it was super lucky timing where Nike was in need and they reached out to me. I had reached out to a different company, you know, and, and to this day, I still haven't heard back from them. So it was really, you know, like if Nike hadn't reached out to me, I'd probably still be, you know, having to race locally and things like that because I wouldn't have the financial support, you know, but I think also that was, you know, again, I put pressure on myself no matter what, but it was an interesting thing of last year being my first year running for a sponsor where, you know, my sponsor has never put any pressure on me. They've been super awesome. But again, it's just that, that added level that I'm the personality that I put that on myself. And so it was an interesting year of just learning and growing and, and really being able to, by the end, just celebrate of like, I don't have to prove myself and, my sponsor is really supportive of me no matter what. And like, obviously it's great if I do well, you know, but they're, they're there no matter what. And that my manager has just been so wonderful of just supporting the love of the sport and what I want to do versus pushing for me to be in, you know, the most competitive races, which is what I'm doing anyway, you know, but, 
but like pushing me to do races that maybe I don't want to do or I can't do or that conflicts with my other life and things like that. So I think that's just, you know, there's pressure or, you know, it seems super great and sponsorships are amazing. Um, you know, but we have to kind of keep, keep a good balance and a good outlook on things too. Got it. But there's no denying that it, it really helps. You know, I wouldn't have been able to travel like I did last year. And that was the cool side of it, like this running and, and pursuing my dreams to like have that support to be able to pursue my additional dreams of like seeing the world and being able to adventure different places. You know, that's really a huge key for me and why, why I'm out here and doing this. Before we get into Western States and and what's next, I want to touch on one thing. What's your diet like? Um, both, nothing both, super specific. Both, okay. That, you know, I get, this is the one question I ask and I get so many different answers. It is just, uh, this is the one question I can't find any trend on with sports, uh, with mm-hmm. athletes across all sports. Let, let's touch on what you eat daily and then kind of how you fuel yourself, fuel yourself during the runs. Yeah. So, so daily, I mean, I try to eat really healthy but I certainly, I'm not limited. Like I, I, I work in academics. And so my students are like, Oh my gosh, Brittany's eating pizza. You know, it's like, yeah, I run a lot. I'm going to eat a lot to fuel my body. And pizza is actually really not that bad for you. Um, and it was homemade, (laughs) but, but again, like I, you know, I eat meat. Um, I had jelly beans last night, you know, like I still have a sweet tooth, things like that, where I think anything in moderation, um, but again, I try to make sure that I'm extra clean, like leading into a race. But again, I have way to cool in a week where here I am. Like, <laughs> of course, I bought jelly beans and I can't help myself. Um, and, you know, and I think coming from like collegiate background where I've seen people with eating disorders and I know that that's super common where I think that's really important to me to never get to a point where I'm so rigid in a diet because of performance, you know, because I don't want to tread, you know, travel down that path. And I've seen the negative things that come down that path. Um, but understanding too, that I probably shouldn't be living on McDonald's, you know, and, and that's not going to help my performance. So I try to keep a really healthy balance and I think I do a good job of that. And then during the race, that's something that is definitely on my goals for, as I'm preparing for Western, because I am a person. So when I was doing Leadville, you know, I started kind of running with a friend. We did a hundred K together that I took 16 hours to do. And we were just kind of out casually like exploring, um, what that distance was going to do to us. So I could, you know, at a casual pace, I could eat everything. I was eating quesadillas. I was eating pop tarts, whatever, you know, and here now, of course I'm running harder and more intensely the whole time where I just can't eat solid food. And I know that I can't. So I mean, Bandera, I lived off of gels. Um, and then obviously good electrolyte drink. Um, and I know that for the hundred, I need to start figuring out how to eat solid foods again. Um, cause Leadville, I mean, I, I was living off a of ramen noodle, which I still strongly believe that that's going to be a big key in Western States for me is just getting that salt intake. Um, but trying to explore like what solid foods can I eat? You know, I've, I've done peanut butter and jelly on a long trail run and things like that. But I really haven't dialed in exactly what solid foods that I'm going to eat, but I, I have dialed in how I use those supplemental gels and things like that to keep energy up. But that's definitely something that I'm going to be focusing on as I'm 
transitioning into the hundred mile distance again. Yeah. I find it so fascinating the way your body can use glycogen, the way it can metabolize fat and the way it can metabolize food. And just that combination of bringing all that together is just, it's such a puzzle. It's so different for everybody. Oh yeah. Yep. Let's talk about what's coming up. So you, you won the Bandera and that is a hundred K in Texas. This is a race that I've heard about. It's, um, Mm -hmm. from my understanding, it's a really kind of rocky course, kind of hard to just kind of, it's pretty technical. Is this correct? I think, well, so the original course. So this year, I actually have no idea what the original course was like (laughs) because this year we had due to flooding that was going on before the state park it was supposed to be in ended up pulling the permits. And so they had to kind of last minute change it to a different course, which they had kind of been mapping out for the 100K championships later in the fall, I think. Um, So we we transitioned to this camp um, a little bit out from where it was supposed to be, which ended up being more rocky. So this year for, you know, I mean, I think a lot of people coming from like a flatter, faster, traditional kind of U.S. running style race, it was technical. But coming from a sky running background, it was like the perfect amount of rocks to still be able to run fast, but not, you know, and and set me apart in a way that sky running really helped me because to me that was not terribly technical, but it was technical enough to, to give me a little bit of an edge, which is not necessarily the true Bandera course, though I really don't know. <laughs> so, so you come away with the win in that race, you get the ticket, and now it's time for Western States. So if you are listening to the show and you're – you don't follow trail running Western States would probably would, I would consider the uh, top tier event in the U S and I would really say kind of in the world, it's probably just second behind UTMB. Would you kind of sum it up like that? So it's a big deal. Mm -hmm. If you're, if you're into ultra running, it is a big deal. The course starts with a pretty rugged climb out of Squaw Valley you do a good descent, you, you traverse some canyons, you have to cross a river. Um, when you look at the race, what are you thinking as far as how you're going to attack this course? What are you, are you going to go out and get out front? Are you going to just try and stay with the uh, lead pack? What are you thinking? I know my tendencies. My tendencies are to go out with the lead pack because I hate being behind but I know it's a hundred miles and I cannot do that this time. So that will be a strong focus of mine is to really just be smart in the first, you know, 40, 50, whatever miles. Um, especially they're calling for it to be a snow year this year, which who knows it's so early still, but if it is a snow year, I mean, I don't want to be wasting effort in those early miles where the snow would be you know, trying to keep pace or keep up with somebody and not running my own race. So definitely being conservative, but still being strategic. But that's really hard because, you know, I mean, it's, it's, you see it time and time again, where you can be 20, 30 minutes behind and still come out with the win by the end. If somebody just truly doesn't execute well and they blow up by the end and now they're walking like that's not, but I don't want to do that. Um, so I think, I think the big thing is really to just be super smart for 
you know, 50 plus miles. And then I'll be really lucky where my pacer will be Cody, my boyfriend. So he, you know, grew up on that course. So he knows it better than probably anyone where just having him for the last 40 miles, I, I think it's basically like survive and don't do anything stupid until I get to Cody and then just follow Cody and do what he says. <laughs> um, but really we, we have some plans as far as like, where are my strengths and how can I, you know, use the course to my advantage in certain places and see how I can set myself, myself up well for those last, you know, 40 miles of still feeling good and being strong. Not to put you on the spot, but do you have a time goal? Oh, time goal. Gosh. It's so, I, no, <laughs> um, I, I, I kind of joke that my goal is to PR, which my hundred mile PR is like 28 hours. So I hope I do that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, obviously I know like course record and things like that. And it just, I think Western States with the weather and just how hot will it be? What will the snow be like? It's just, I'm not banking really on time. Obviously place is a little bit more on my mind of, can I be top 10? Because that secures me being able to go back next year or the year after. Um, so, so that's kind of where I'm more focusing though. Obviously just having, you know, being in the teens somewhere would be super awesome mm -hmm. for a hundred mile. Mm -hmm. Well, is there anything else you'd like to add? Um, before we conclude this interview? No, I just thank you so much for thinking of me and having me on here. It's super awesome to, I think that's just the cool thing about, I think, running and I think my story of just like coming from maybe a collegiate background or high school background of less glamour and just still being able to work super hard and accomplish things and, and reach your goals and your dreams. And I think that's super cool that you're having a podcast like specifically designed on this with different aspects of different sports. So that's really cool. Well, and I appreciate it. Yeah. Thank you for that. Well, I really appreciate your grit coming through from injuries is no joke. Um, coming out the other side can, you know, I'm just, I'm super excited to follow you now in this race. And for our listeners, is there, are you an Instagrammer or a blogger or where can they follow you? Yeah. So Instagram, I'm run happy B. <laughs> all right. So let's follow Brittany at run happy B and uh, yeah, look forward to seeing how it all shakes up and we'll have to have you back here on the hammer factor after the race. Absolutely. I'd love to. All right. Well, thank you very much. Yeah. Thank you so much.